Well, welcome to the True Man Podcast with Mike Van Pelt, the comeback coach, helping you gain peace, clarity, and understanding in your walk with God as a man, a father, and a spouse. Hey, get involved with the show. Send your email to mike at truemanlifecoaching.com. If you're wondering what's gone adrift in my masculine soul and asking, is there more to life? This is where it begins. This is the True Man Podcast. Welcome to the True Man Podcast with Mike Van Pelt. This is an invitation to radical reconstruction of a man's masculine heart and soul in a place of safe community where we dare to ask questions deep-seated inside a man and explore ways to help you become a better man, better dad, and a better spouse. Well, quick mention of the books that I'm a part of. So the first, my compilation book that I'm uh, a featured author in called The Art of Connection, and my first book coming out later this year, True Man, True Ways, A Roadmap of Discovery to the Masculine Heart. You can find more out about those books and purchase them at MikeVanPeltAuthor.com. That's MikeVanPeltAuthor.com. I'll include a link in the show notes, and I hope that you will go out and check that out as well and purchase those books. Well, on the True Man podcast today, I speak with Jay Gardner about his organization, Torn Pages. We talk not only about his organization, but the brokenness and spiritual warfare that each of us fights every day. I think you'll find his message incredibly compelling. And with that, let's get to my interview with Jay Gardner, and I'll catch you after the podcast. Well, welcome to the True Man Podcast. You know, I used to toss around uh, sayings and ideas like, you know, that was a chance encounter or I got lucky meeting that person or, you know, what are the possibilities of me meeting that person? Now I met today's guest, Jay Gardner at, uh, our annual, I'm a part of the Christian businessmen's connection, Christian businessmen's connection, CBMC Atlanta annual partnership luncheon. And I immediately, wanted to hear more about his story. And what I love about this, and I've come to realize, is there is no such thing as a chance encounter. And when you're aligned with God, he has a wonderful way of connecting you with people that are on the same mission as you to serve, connect, and create a world of peace, love, and hope by utilizing our story. After all, your story is a part of the larger story in God's kingdom. So let's meet today's guest. Jay Gardner's story can be best described as one of redemption. I think you're going to find that out. Jay is the president and founder of the organization Torn Pages, whose mission it is is to spread the message of hope, peace, and strength. Now, his vision for this organization started from a prison cell when he felt the pain and struggles of everyone around him. Now, we are going to hear more about that story today. Jay, welcome to the True Man Podcast. Mike, thank you very much, and I'm just excited to be able to have the opportunity to share about Torn Pages and about my life, and especially reaching anybody out there that's going through life's Torn Pages. We all got that struggle, and yeah, let hope, peace, and strength, and I just, I thank you, really, uh, it's, it's an honor. Thank you very Absol- much. Absolutely. See, I can see right off the top, you'll appreciate um you know, Jay's desire to help people and enthusiasm. It's something that I gravitated towards 
right away. And, and, you know, I I'm guessing your enthusiasm for life at this point just comes from overcoming some of the addictions that you may have had. And, and ultimately, you know, paying a, paying a little price, right. Uh, for past discretions by, by serving some time, but tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you're at today. Well, I don't know where you want me to be in at, Mike, to be honest with you. I mean, well, you know, I don't, if you, if you start with what I was born in, I, you know, (laughs) everybody's going to turn it off. So, you know, no, really start, start with, you know, obviously there's a story there. What happened to you? I, I, you know, I read a little bit of your bio, obviously, you know, like a lot of people, um, you know, there was a little bit of an addiction issue that probably yeah. got you into trouble. Sure. So, you know, to start, okay. start with that. Right. Well, then, you know, the best way to start off is I, I just like to get out front how smart I am. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Come on so, now. Yeah. And so don't turn it off because you're going to see how brilliant I, I really am. So I, as far as my life starting off, I guess, is, is a, I lived in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, when I was a little kid, I was about seven or eight years old. Uh, I, I, tra- I I moved about 15 times before I was 15 years old. So I was I was always a new kid on the block. But this story is how smart I was. I was in South Bend, Indiana. It was about winter time, And the kids, the, the teenagers were always bigger than us, of course. And they were always picking on my little buddy. And they had built a tree for it. So one early morning, we sneak out. Big winter boots and jackets. And we're tromping in the, in the icy leaves, tromping. And we come across the tree fort first thing in the morning and we know it's there. It's got beer cans and wood everywhere. And I'm looking up trying to fix to climb this tree fort. And all of a sudden I hear my little buddy screaming, ah, ah, I'm like, oh my God, they got him. Somebody's got him. And I, <laughs> I peep around the big tree and he's on the ground, Mike. He's just holding, he's holding, he's rocking and holding his boot. I run over there and I say, I said, what's up? What's up? He's like, ah. and I, I find what? And I find he's what he's doing. He's pointing to a nail inside on a board. Mm. He's trying to tell me that this nail, that big little nail went through his big winter boot. I'm like, man, there ain't no way that way. Well, yeah. You Ouch. know what I did? I said, I was so smart. I knew for a fact that nail didn't go through the boot. So I lifted up my little leg as high as it went, and I slammed it on that nail, man. And you know what happened? Why? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's how smart I am, Bo. And I, I tell you what, uh, that was the first time. I was about seven or eight years old. It was a couple weeks later. We had to get testing shots. But I was hanging out with the teenagers at the tree fort, uh, drinking beer and smoking weed uh, around seven or eight years old. And mm. Didn't know that that would be a nail in my in my mind and in my heart all the time. Uh, it was just the insanity of the disease. But you know what? I was always smart enough when I was ever at a construction site. I was always looking for nails in a board, but I couldn't see that. I could never I could never recognize that with my addiction. And it's that's how it started. That's how my start. That's how my addiction started, and it progressed. You know, along all my life, you know, uh, not as much. It, it it escalated a little bit more. We moved from we went from South Bend, Indiana, to Puerto Rico. You know, so I lived wow in Puerto Rico uh, when I was about a 10, 11 years old. Uh, escalated there and uh, moved back to North Carolina. Uh, was supposed to go to a nice school. I mean, that's where I learned how to fight. 
uh, in Puerto Rico. I mean, they, uh, anyways, that's, but my addictions were always part of my life. And uh, like I said, we moved around quite a bit. My mom and dad were young kids. They were 15 and 16. Uh, when I was um, when you were born, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, well, no, they got conceived. I think it was nine months later, and uh, they got oh, wow. they got married. So yeah, they were just they were kids trying to raise a kid, and I did the best they could. But uh, you know, we had our struggles growing up, like we all do in, in many families. Um, you know, my dad was uh, he struggled. You know, he had anger issues, and but uh, you know, we're good friends today. I love my dad, and they're still together. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's one story that, that introduces my my life to uh, to addictions and to drinking and drugging. I guess most of my life as a kid, growing up, uh, as far as I can ever remember. Did you did you know you had a, a problem growing up, or were you just surrounded by people doing the same thing and you just thought it was normal? I just thought it was normal. I mean, I moved around so much uh, that um, you know I didn't I didn't. Uh, didn't really know any different. I was just my life. So I, yeah. I thought that was the way it was. So I, you know, you, as a kid, you're growing up, that's how you're growing up. Uh, and it was, uh, it was confusing. I mean, to a certain degree, uh, my relationship with God, I had no conception of God at all, none mm. at all, none. And, uh, the only first conception I remember when I was about 12 or 13. I'm sure she talked into me, my great grandmother loved, she loved to, she loved to go fishing. She loved to go cat fishing, you know, and catch fish. And she loved Jesus. And she told me about this uh, man, Jesus, she loved and where he was born. And I didn't have no inclination of him. But, uh, you know, if if my grandmother loved him, he must be he must be a, a one heck of a man that uh, that that she talked about. And so so she, I, she planted a little seed there. She planted yeah. a seed. Yeah. And I, and I grew up very tough, man. I really did. I mean, there was a, I walked on eggshells in our home because of some issues with my dad. And, uh, you know, so it was rough outside my house and it was rough inside my house. I couldn't find no peace nowhere, but my dad came to know the Lord when I was about 12 or 13 years old, right about the same time. And it was the greatest gift that my dad ever brought. Cause I, I, I came to know the Lord, I think when I was about 12 or 13. And uh, it changed our lives. It was the best year I ever had as a kid, ever. And But it didn't last long. But at the same time, I understood who Jesus was with my grandmother. It was it, This all came together. But what happened was that my grandmother experienced a stroke that just left her like an animal. It just took half yeah. her body. It was, if you ever seen that. And it was, she was in a nursing home and crying. And, uh, and so at that age, I was like... I, it was very confusing. Uh, how could a loving God allow somebody to love them so sure. much? Right. And then my dad, uh, he ended up turning, he ended up going into seminary, but he ended up going into his own ways again. And he gave a persona like we all do in life. Don't we? Sometimes we want to wear a mask, yeah, yeah. We want to wear a mask, but yeah. inside our home, it started escalating again. And, um, you know, so it was, I, you know, so I backed away from God and turned my back on God, but he, he's always been a part of my life ever since then. And, um, you know, my, I wasn't, as you can tell, I wasn't that smart. So the only, no. way, I, only, well, only way I excelled, I really, I struggled in school. I really did. I, I never read a book hardly. Uh, I tell, I, you know, I did, I, I, I cheated. I, you know, I cheated all my life growing up, uh, with my grades and stuff, nothing I'm proud of, but, I was just not that smart of a kid. I could study hard, but 
Uh, I just didn't, I just didn't retain like others. And so I would get the answers in life, but I didn't have any understanding. And God began to show me later on that, um, you know, I'm always looking for answers, but the answers don't do you any good. Unless you have some understanding. See now, that's really smart. See now, don't uh, don't shy away from that. <laughs> now that you know, there's there's so much wisdom in that, yeah. Jay, and it's probably the road that you've gone down. I mean, I think you know that's where we're, a lot of times we get off track as young people is that yeah. you know we're, we we want the especially now in this culture, right? I call it a fast food culture we want all Ooh. our answers now now you know jesus i mean people are praying and it's like i need that answer now well that's sure. not how you know that's not how god works sure but does. you know but the the wisdom in it is, is is much deeper than than that and um a lot of people don't don't recognize that so talk a little bit about you gave us a little hint at how your childhood went. right and and i think that you know um and we, we talk a lot about this on the show, you know, these fatherhood wounds that show up when we're young, they sure. tend to get, they show up when we're young, but they catch up with us later uh, because we weren't taught what we necessarily needed to, to know. So at yeah. some point here you get into trouble, right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was natural. I was just gifted at it. I, you know, I mean, I, there's a story about a little kid on a tricycle and I was probably me and uh, you know, my, Daddy says, "Hey, don't go outside the yard, the front yard. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna whip you. You know, if you go outside that front yard on your tricycle, and you know, uh, so my attitude with, you know, I even had a little kid on a tricycle, I, I just got off and, you know, backed up my butt and said, well, you might as well whip me now, man. I got things to see and places to do, man. Just <laughs> <laughs> get it out of the way. <laughs> just get it out of the way. I was uh, always that, but you know." I, life was, I mean, I still had the best life I could, I could ever imagine. I, I had great experiences. Uh, I excelled in uh, my, my course of action for life and success was in sports. And, uh, but I, I was, I was a gifted athlete, uh, defensive uh, captain, middle linebacker in high school. But uh, unfortunately in 10th grade, I was, I, I, I had a severe accident. I was paralyzed from the neck down. Oh my! Well, you can tell I'm not anymore, but it was a it was a bruised spinal cord. But I was paralyzed from uh, for about two weeks from the neck down to the waist, and then for about three months from the waist down in a wheelchair. But of course, I regained my strength and my size, but I could never play sports as far as football, which was my love. And so my my years in in school escalated with more drugs and activities, and just trying because I'd lost my I lost yeah. my identity. You know, we yeah. all try to find so much identity in what we're doing. Yeah, you gra uh, you gravitate towards what you, you you're yeah. comfortable and used to. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and so I started getting in more troubles and some more fights, and finally uh, I graduated. I don't know how I did that, but <laughs> uh, I think I uh, it was because I took a drama class and it counted as English because I didn't pass English. So, uh, but I I uh, I said you know if, if I'm gonna, if I'm going to fight, I might as well join the Navy and become the best number one fighter in the Navy as a boxer. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I did. I had joined the Navy right out of high school. I tell people I was a top gun fighter in the Navy. <laughs> you know, they're like, really? I'm saying, yeah. So I was, I was top gun fighter with my fist. There you, you know? go. <laughs> but you know, with the, with the top gun movie coming out, it was like, wow, really? But, uh, 
that's what it was. I ended up being a number one fighter. That's, that's what I did as my as my detail in the Philippines and in the, in the Orient. And I became the Westpac uh, champion and uh, qualified for the 84 Olympics uh, in 1984. And But all that got red taped. I, I lost my I lost that opportunity because of some jealousy with a master chief. But uh, but I served my country well, you know, and, and I, I thought I would be my escalation of of what I did. And I turned pro. I got mixed up with, uh, uh, I guess, some heavy people in Japan, which is called the Yakuza, which is Japanese mafia. And um, I was 19 years old, got married over wow. there. And yeah, but uh, they wanted me to sign. They signed me to a, a I was 20, 21 years. They signed me to a six figure contract. And uh, it at 1980, 1984, and I just kind of hard was, to turn that down, yeah. It? But I was so mixed up in uh, alcohol and drugs still that uh, I, I didn't really see it then. I knew it was a bump in the road, but um, I saw how drugs and alcohol were always they were always little little bumps in the road and little roadblocks that, uh, but I just I didn't they were really nails in a board, to be honest with you. And I, I knew that was going to come up again. Yeah. And then I kept yeah. slamming my foot down on it again, that the, the outcome would be different, but it, it never was. Mm. And eventually um, got married in Japan, had a beautiful woman in my life and came back to the States, tried to resume my boxing career and uh, just was just lost. I guess you could say, uh, you know, the fog of drugs and alcohol will do that. And, um, the, the final point was, uh, you know, we had two beautiful kids and life was going pretty good. I, I had two beautiful kids, but one, one day, one of my, I had a little painting company and, uh, one day my, one of my guys said, Hey, let's go get a few beers and drink, you know, shoot some pool. And I, I, you know, my life was going pretty well, but that, that night, uh, he's at the drugs we were going to do was crack cocaine. And uh, that was the demise of my my ending of everything I knew was perish was was just precious in my life. Yeah, uh, yeah. It um, to me, it's one of the worst diseases and worst worst drugs out there in the world because it's just so escalating. I know there's a pandemic with uh, with heroin and 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 that that drug that's taking kids' lives, but uh, like I was in, um, you know. I just I was trying to recover from that disease, man. I I did find I did find hope. I found hope in the church, and God had took that obsession. And by the grace of God, uh, I, I found recovery uh, in the church, and God had redeemed me. And I was a man of God for about four years in a in a well grounded church, and knew I was supposed to go to the ministry. And the last part of my story that escalated uh, leading to torn pages, which we'll definitely talk about. Yeah. Is that uh, the day I got ordained that night, uh, I was like, God just took his hand off of me, Mike. And uh, I experienced uh, demonic voices mm. and also demonic visions uh, that were, it was, it was. On was the like, very day you were ordained. Yeah. The very day I was ordained. Yeah. And uh, I tried to battle that fight for about three months. I, I was counseling, fasting, praying with yeah. my minister and uh, my men and my elders and my men in church. And I just uh, it wasn't not it was not going away. And 
Uh, like I said, I, if you're picking at me, I could I could do something about that. You know, I can handle that. Uh, and if there's two or three guys, I could probably handle that. Maybe not at 60 now, but but I was fighting a spiritual warfare that I had no power right. to overcome except for the grace of God. And I thought God had thrown the thrown the flag in on me and turned his back. And uh, I turned my back on God. And uh, I was I lost my family, my kids. I mean, I I, I was hopeless state of mind and body. And I, I just I walked away from life. I felt defeated. I felt unworthy as a father, as a. Whew. And uh, it was it was it was a it was the end of my life pretty much. I went and just dived into the drug world, trying to escape the demons that were just chasing me. And, um, and that's where the gavel, you know, the church, the church found, you know, before all that happened, the church sent me to a, to a, like a place or like a rehab, just because they still believe the calling on my life. Even when I relapsed and I don't think I remember at this church, at this place the next following week. And, and don't get me wrong. I, my wife had reason to leave me, but unfortunately the next week, uh, my wife didn't show up. And, uh, and within 90 days I was separated, uh, divorced and she was married to one of my, uh, superintendents. Uh, and that, when all this is going on and I, that, it's not, I don't blame anybody. Trust me. Trust me, man. I, I take responsibility, but it was just a, like, it was like the feather on the, the last little pebble. It just broke me down. And, um, I just, I didn't care. And, but the funny story is I, even when I was at this little rehab at, at, in this place called Penfield Christian homes, I don't remember anything except this one story. <laughs> you had to, you had to work, you had to work a little bit, about a couple hours a day, just to, you know, for, just to get your mind back in the, in the groove. And, but there was this old, it was out in the country and this old 80, he about 80 years old, old overalls and jaw in his mouth and old country hat. And I, and I'm a worker and I'm, I'm bailing hail for the, I'm bailing hail for the first time in my life ever, you know? And it, at the end of the day, he's like, boy, you a worker, boy, you a worker. I'm like, I said, yeah. I said, he said, I'd love to have you out here on my farm. I said, well, I said, but let me ask you. Now it's out in the country. He said, I said, let me ask you, Pops. I said, what do y'all pay your good old country boy out here anyway? He helped pull that chaw out, Mike, and he spit. He said, Well, we pay him just enough to live, but not enough to move. <laughs> there you go. That was the best best thing I got out of that, man. And uh, I never forgot it. And uh but my life just spiraled after that. And um and then the end came when uh, I went on a crime spree uh, after two years in the drug world. I went on a crime spree uh, for about two weeks and uh, I was I was robbing some hotels and restaurants as the gentleman bandit. You don't know that story, do you? No, the gentleman bandit. Yeah. So they um, they did. They rest. You know, I was. Uh, yeah. So I was I didn't have a gun and. Uh, I finally got extradited from Kentucky and uh, this was two years. This is 19, this is 1997. And I finally get to a place called Gwinnett County up here outside of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And the detectives came in. He said, man, he says, uh, your case beats everything we've ever seen. <laughs> I'm like, really? I'm like, what's up? He said, well, 
the media called you the gentleman bandit. I'm like, I wasn't watching any television then. I said, so what's up with that? He says, well, every victim said you're friendly. Said two of them said you're cute. He said, but I began. He said, he said a manager at a hotel said he would have hired you for a job under different circumstances. <laughs> he said, I said, that's funny. I laughed too. I laughed I've too. never heard anything like that. Uh, yeah, they, that's what they said as detectives. They've been there for 20 years. They said, I've never heard anything like that. I said, well, that's funny. I says, but why are they trying to give me a life sentence? And I've never been arrested before, never been incarcerated, never been in prison. And that was my plea offer, Mike. That was my plea offer. Yeah. And he says, he said, that's that's the other thing we've never seen and all the we've never seen a plea offer under your circumstances of a crime like this, where your plea offer was life. And um uh, I you know, my lawyer my lawyer had to come in. He didn't believe it either. And um, but they wouldn't come off of the the life offered. But what had happened, what people don't know is that in 1995, they privatized prisons. Did you know that? No. Yeah. So they, they privatized prisons in 1995. Boom. Overnight prisons became a billion dollar industry. So what did they do? Now they had hotels. Prisons were hotels. They sent lobbyists throughout all the United States to what? To get tough on crime. Yeah, that's what the public need to know. Get tough on crime it had nothing to do with getting tough on crime, and only had to do about having hotels as prisons now and locking a man up as long as he's could. And and they they changed the laws so so drastically that they were putting men in prison for as long as they could. And I I, I fell underneath armed robbery, armed robbery, and and the federal organization as far as law, armed robbery is when you you brandish a gun, right? Uh, and the laws of the state in Georgia, uh, armed robbery merited as anybody thought that you had a gun, just thought that you had a gun, merited as armed robbery. And armed robbery was a seven deadly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we went to trial. I was guilty, but my, my lawyer had no choice but try to defend me best he could. Uh, and there was a couple that found me guilty, thought that I had a gun. And the DA, since I didn't take the life sentence, the DA said, or we're going to offer him life with another life running on top of wild of a life with 10 years running wild on top. And the judge said, I'm, I, you know, I, you never want to see Mr. Gardner see the light of day. And uh, the judge is even in transcript. The judge said, he, he stood up. He said, I'm going, I'm not going with y'all's recommendation. He said, I, he said, Mr. Gardner, he said, he, I stood up. He says, by what evidence I saw, Mike, he said, the only person that could have got hurt in this crime was you, because I don't believe you had a gun. He said, but I have no choice, but by law, to sentence you to minimum years of 10 years with no parole. He says, but on one case, I'm going to give this. This is a girl. I was going to ask her out on the date. And, uh, she said she was the only one that could identify me in the courtroom. He said, on this one, I'm going to give you 20 years. And what the judge didn't realize what he just did, um, he sentenced me to 20 years with no parole. And uh, that's uh, that's what I did. And he he even made a mistake. He didn't mean to sentence me to that. He the least he could have done was ten years with no parole. But the laws were so crazy written down that it had one little paragraph that was gray area that any number set down carried no possibility of parole. And he couldn't remand his sentence because he couldn't 
That's because if you park in the wrong directions because you don't know that yeah. law, you can't go back and say you're not guilty. So you, you know, <clears throat> now before we get into how torn pages came to you, yeah. Um, once you went to jail, you know, I, 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 I think you're a good person to um, have this conversation with. Um, talk about spiritual warfare. Wow. I, you know, this, this is a, a conversation that I think, you know, th- th- here's the reality. <clears throat> you and I are going through spiritual warfare right now. Right. You know, on this podcast, as we talk, right. there's a battle for our minds. It's the battle between good and evil. It's the, it's the, it's the battle between God and the devil. Right. And a lot of people, a lot of people have not made this connection. Now, and, and and so I'd love to to hear you talk about this spiritual warfare that went on with you, and really how it took control of your life. Yeah. Well, um, like I said the only thing I can only thing I can share is I I don't know why. I mean I I have an explanation, but I for it was it's a great it's it's got me stuttering, man. I mean it's um. I don't think about the perplexities of it too much is that I, if it was me, I think, I think there's other people also that have uh, thoughts that go in their minds Oh yeah, and they got to do this and they got to do that and that you're no good. And you're, well, you're Jay, less- and that's why I bring it up because, yeah. you know, uh, um, you know, it, it's not those thoughts right. are not your own. Right. So th- that's the devil putting thoughts in you. Right. And, and, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand this, this battle. And that, right. that I'm kind of picking at you a little bit because no, you're on here, but no, I thought it would be great for you yeah. to talk about it because yeah. it is a very hard thing to, uh, you know, put your finger on sometimes. It, it is, you know, it, I couldn't escape it. I couldn't, I don't, I don't know where some people fight them more than others. It, it could have been, you know, some people say it could have been a mental health breakdown. I don't know. I don't believe so. I believe mine was spiritual in, in nature and there was just uh, you know, and we all experience the, the, the negativity or the thought process that we have towards ourselves and uh, yeah, spiritual. I don't, I, I don't know the depths of that, to be honest with you too much, Mike. I just know that I endured it. I know there's a lot more people that endure it more, even more. So I guess the conception, I guess, <clears throat> is that, you know, we don't, we don't have honesty was our first uh, demise as, as a spiritual warfare that we endured, meaning that as little kids, we grew up lying as knee knocker. We yeah. had, we had, you know, we didn't, yeah. It came natural to us. And so that's in, that's ingrained. Did you take that piece of, you know, that cookie? No, ma'am. Nope. I didn't. Right. You know, did you do this? Uh-uh. Did you hit your sister? No. You know what I mean? So even as knee knockers, we already know. And then uh, like procrastination and lust and envy and greed. I, those are the spiritual thoughts of the, of the condemnation that just comes naturally to us. I don't, nobody has to, practice procrastination it just <laughs> it comes natural right i mean unfortunately unfortunately right yeah. I mean, uh, you know our best intentions are, are, are just demise so that's the spiritual warfare that it just it's continually to do and so one of the greatest gifts god gave me was that it's, it's a, they're the same before a man ever goes to prison he was already in prison 
That means he was imprisoned by his thoughts, yeah. right? Yes. And so, uh, and I, I, you know, I, 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 I covet my sobriety very much now. I got years of sobriety with no alcohols and no drinking. I just can't. I, I suffer from that disease. But what happened? God, God said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you how to, I'm gonna teach you how to drink properly." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He says, "When I was trying to get sober, he says, there's always strength in numbers, right?" But your association will always be your downfall. Now, follow me with this here. And I said, I'm, and everybody says, yeah, people, places, and things is always your downfall. Yeah. And God says, no, nah, that's not what I'm talking about. I said, what are you talking about then? He says, the association is, is in your mind. When you start hanging around lust and pride and greed and envy and dishonesty and deceit, when you start hanging around that crew, right? Yeah, it puts, you, it puts you in places where you're going to downfall with people, places and things. He says, the crew I'm trying to introduce you to and live with are my principles. And that is hope and courage and love and discipline, integrity. I'm like, wow. He says, that's the crew I want you to hang around with. And so you can just picture, you know, grace and faith. They're in they're in the kitchen of my life trying to fix me something good to eat. You know, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Integrity and hope. They're sitting on the couch like I am right now trying to find something good on television. Or <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and so those that element makes the things that you're talking about, the spiritual warfare, more real and attainable discipline. Right. And determination. They're outside trying to find and work hard to supply a living. And so God says, this is the crew. I want you to fall in love with, man. I want you to hang around with. And I, and it's still a struggle. It's still a struggle to hang around with God's crew, man. I mean, pride is our, is our, is our least, it's, it's our, it's our demise. And, um, no, thanks for saying that because I think that's an important part of this too, because it, I mean, spiritual warfare is exactly what it is. It's, it's a nonstop war. It's not something that, that, that we ever take a break from, but when we have awareness of it, you know, we were, um, you can win the battle more than you lose. And I, and I, I've come to the conclusion that that's the ultimate goal is to win more than you lose on this deal because we're human and we're broken and, and, you know, we're going to, you know, things, things are going to happen. And, you know, by, by asking you that whole spiritual warfare question, I think I led you right into the creation of uh, torn pages. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so that was by accident, not by design. I'm just not that, I'm just not that good. But well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the greatest gift that I ever learned though, is that you can have this up and down relationship with God, but it's, it's having an a, a interpersonal relationship with another human being, not your wife. I'm talking about a man on man, iron sharpens iron. But what happens is that there has to be honesty. And when I was trying to recover in my life, my mentors and my sponsors says, Jay, if you cannot be honest with me, I can't help you. And I know there's so many men and so many women hiding behind their pride because they have never ever been truthfully honest with another human being and and our secrets our secrets keep us keep us sick and uh it's just a tool that the enemy uses and so when i was able to finally let that pride down and i could trust another human being to share everything in my life uh it just it was the the freedom came the truth of freedom came it's one thing god knowing everything that's that's 
and he knows you know he knows it anyways but it's another thing of the the element of trying of really one day finding a, a woman or a man that you can be rigorously honest with or without no hidden agendas and there's power in that because it says confess your sins to one another but we always confess our sins to god and there's power in that and so that's been one of my my greatest strengths that i find that i i got two or three men in my life that they know absolutely everything about me everything i've done everything i'm ashamed of my regrets everything and so there's nothing there's nothing the enemy has they can say hey i got this and nobody knows about this and it's just a festering secret that can just grind away at a human being and say yeah. uh, you know you're you're high you're still hiding behind lies you know yeah and um but but you know that's that's and i'm still learning man i'm, we're, I'm well we're always we're always that's, learning, man. always you know and yeah. um you know, till t- t- the day of our last breath, it should, yeah. it should be yeah. that way. So yeah. talk, talk, Jade, you know, talk about torn pages and oh, how man. that came to you. This is where, um, you know, this where you were in prison. Oh my gosh. So like I said, if you didn't hear it in the, in the, and what I've already shared, you know, I, I, I was sentenced to 20 years in prison with no parole. Right. That's still hard to fathom that that's what I did. Yeah, that was uh, I got out in 1997, right? That I mean, I went in in 1997, got out in 2017. Uh, so when I was uh, when I was in prison, I I went to I just got just got sentenced, and I went to the state guy the state penitentiary. Guy was trying to work in my life, and if, in prison, lots of lots you see the TV shows. A lot of them are true. A lot of them are very very fabricated to a certain degree. Uh, a lot of them have reality, but in prison, if you ever see the pictures, there's no pictures, there's no colors, and there's no gifts in prison. There's no arts and craft, everybody having a good time. I mean, it's prison, right? Yeah. But one day, I see a man wearing a, I see wearing a man wearing a necklace, something like this. It was a yeah. necklace, and it had beads, right? If anybody's looking, it's got beads. Yeah, if you could see that on video. It's got, that on I've, video. I've got the ones you right. gave me there right you here. Yours yep. is a better color, right? Mine had a cross on it. Or the one that I saw this guy wearing one, and I was like, dude, how, how did you get beads in here to make that? He says, Jay, it's not beads, it's paper. I was what, like, what? Yeah, all that stuff right there is paper. Yeah. Right? And I was mesmerized. I was mesmerized, Mike. I had to have it. It had color in it, and it was a gift. Things you don't have in prison. Right. And later that evening, it wasn't even nighttime. I was in, I was in my cell upstairs, two-man cell, Oglethorpe, Georgia, uh, maximum security. And I, God knocked on my heart, and he asked me the question. He said, son. I said, yeah, father. And I, I've, I've had some neat conversations with God. Some people say he don't speak to you, but I've had some neat ones. <laughs> um, but I, he said, he asked me a question. He says, son, do you know what you got? And the, mine had a cross on it. And so I was focused on the cross. And I yeah. said, yeah. I said, it's about your grace and your love, father. He said, yes, son, but it's more than that. I said, okay, well, it's about your forgiveness and your mercy then, right? And God said, yes, son, but it's more than that. Well, I'm a smart aleck, and I was a man of God, and I know the right answer. You know the right answer, too, Mike. You're probably listening, and the right answer was that, well, it's what you did on the cross. That's what it's about, right? Yeah. 
He said, yes, yeah, son, but it's more than that. I don't know anything about more than a cross in my, in my life as my Christianity walk. And I said, then what I have, God? And I'm sitting in a Georgia prison cell, 17 more years to go. And I said, then what I got, God? What I got? He says, son, it's made out of torn ripped pieces of paper. And I said, yes, yeah, so. I said, he says, son, it's a reflection of the pages that have been torn and ripped in your life. Mm. That's all you had to say, Mike. Tears begin to run down my eyes. All, every single one of my regrets, my shame, my torn pages all came up at one time. It was too much. I couldn't handle it. Yeah. You know, and God reached in. He said, wait a second, son. He says, I can take the torn pages of your life and create something beautiful in my caring hands. And at that moment, it gave me a hope and a peace and a strength that I knew I could prevail another 17 years mm. in prison. And uh, that's how Torn Pages was born in that Georgia prison cell. I knew right then and there that I had me a gift that was going to impact the world because there's so many people that got torn pages in their lives. Yeah. And there's so many people that are looking for hope, peace, and strength Yep, to prevail on this life's journey. And now we have a gift uh, and so that's what that's how it began. Um, and I started making them and sending them out. And I, I figured it would from inside a Georgia prison cell, it would begin to touch people's lives beyond the measures of the walls. And, but if you go to my site, tornpages.org, and you look at the video, there's a there's about there's about four there's about four stories that are on that video and uh, from people's lives that were touched by somebody else taking the gift wearing one and sharing the gift of torn pages, right? Uh, with hope, peace, and strength. Yeah. And I just want to say, so when I, when I met Jay, uh, he was with his, his wife and, um, they gave me this, uh, this, this, uh, bracelet. Um, and, and it kind of blows me away to be perfectly honest with you, Jay. I mean, it's, it's, um, what goes into the, do you, you make bracelets? You bring necklaces too? What, what? Uh, we, uh, we, we've gotten away from the necklace. The necklaces are going to be, uh, uh, rear view to hang them from a rear view mirror. Pretty yeah. Much. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's paper and it's very lightweight. Uh, so it doesn't really hang real well as a necklace, yeah. but they, they're very popular as bracelets. Yeah. And, yeah, so uh, so it's made out of paper, and then you put uh, 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 a varnish over the top of it, yeah. and they're very colorful. They're very neat, and and I think um, equally as important is the is the message oh, it's, uh, b b behind it that oh, that, that really uh, impressed me. So when you're in prison and this vision, God gives you this vision. How did you start? how are you able to capitalize on that when you're in jail? I mean, short of just making the, the bracelets, how do you, how do you, and I don't mean money wise. I no, don't know. Yeah, how do you begin there, there to was like, no money? There was never, I, it, what I was doing, making these in prison to this day still is contraband. That's contraband. <laughs> it's contraband. When I was making in prison was contraband. I had more confiscated in prison in the 20 years, uh, 17 years I did these than I ever had get sent out in the chain, in, in the chain gang. And, um, but you know, they did have magazines. So you had magazine papers and then, then you had some envelopes and stuff like that. So the, the paper and the magazines were easy to, to acquire the glue, the glue, 
uh, I got from uh, sneaking in from the uh, education department. Uh, so uh, I had glue. They give you right. They give you right. Sorry, the things I you don't have to think about, right? Wow, I mean, yeah, yeah. so you know, and I was okay, and I'm I'm still okay to this day. I've got some guys, even though I'm I'm working with the Department of Corrections. You know, yeah, it was I I I looked at it like sneaking Bibles into China. You know, or sneaking Bibles <laughs> into Afghanistan. I was sneaking, I was sneaking these things out. But yeah. yes, I, I acquired glue. I had to pay for it from the guys, and everything's a hustle. Prisons with prison is a city within a city. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's all it is. And uh, the only thing they cared about, and that, like I said, there's so much I can expose to the public, and I will eventually. I'll tell you a little bit more later. All they cared about was you had a locker this big, right? had your underwear and all, all your worldly possession was in this big, this, this locker. And uh, only thing they cared about was how you folded your underwear and your clothes. And that if you had, if your, if your floor was shiny with wax. And so the other element I needed in prison was wax. And so I had a supply. So I would buy wax from the guys that worked in that department. And so I would store it and I would, um, I had me, I had me a little operation. I had guys that didn't have any money coming in and we were, we were making these beads and rolling beads and, and making bracelets and making necklaces. See, that's why I had you on the podcast. I knew the story would get better when I heard it from, all right. So let, 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 let's just, <laughs> All right, so you get out of prison. Well, let's let's jump ahead here. Lil. You get out of prison, and now you've got you've been you got this vision, right? And um, this talk about where Torn Pages finds itself today. Oh my what God. Are, you know? Oh my talk God. about what you're building and, and oh what God. it's all about. Well, like I said, when I first got out, you know, I I knew I had something special. I knew I had some, you know, working with recovery, but. Yeah, uh, I was hey, I was ate up with fear, even though I had me a good network. Uh, I mean, I got sober my last seven years in prison. I mean, I wasn't always a good guy in prison, even when I was doing. I mean, I ran a gambling operation. I ran a drug ring in, in prison for about seven years. So, uh, you know, this is entails in, stories. But I didn't I didn't see anything wrong with that. I mean, I, I you know, my justification is they. You know, they played, you know, old women played bingo in Baptist churches. You know, it's a little gambling <laughs> in prison, you know, and, uh, you know, a little weed smoking wasn't that bad in, in prison. But, you know, you could justify anything you want. But I finally got sober my last seven years in prison. But when I got out, I was I didn't know what I was going to do. with my, You know, how was I going to I got out? Man, I was 54 when I got out, Mike. I was 54. I'm 60 now. A little over 60. You're going on seven years now. And uh I said, well, I'll get back into painting and I got into painting. I, I drummed up my painting business and uh, became successful in that area, stayed sober best I could. And um, but I but in the background, I started investing all my money in torn pages. It, what, it didn't used to be called torn pages. It used to be called beads and reflections. That was the name of it. But as I started talking to churches and reaching out, I finally went to one church and they said, you know, why don't you name it torn pages? Oh, because I love it. Because on the back, on the back, even with the bars, even with bars, beads and reflections, it says on the back of it, it says it's a gift for you. You can't get one without a card. Right. Because like you said, it's all about the message. And it says this is what it says. It says this keepsake was made by hand with torn ripped pieces of paper sealed and varnished. It's a reflection of the pages that are torn and ripped in your life. 
However, God can take the torn pages of your life and create something beautiful in his caring hands, a hope and a peace and a strength of our life's journey. That's what makes torn yeah. pages more powerful. It's, powerful. it's, it's so, absolutely powerful. And so I uh, always be indebted for that young lady in that church gathering. When I sat around this circle with the, with the pastor and his people, his inner circle and, and torn pages was born about four, about four or five years ago. And so I knew the vi- the only vision that I had was that they'd be made in third world country uh, because I knew just the red tape was trying to get them made in prison, which I'm already enduring now. Uh, so now we have 30 women in Uganda. We give a livelihood to Mike. We yeah. don't give them missions. We give them a livelihood. They, these women in Uganda have been praying over torn pages for the last four years. And last, last year and a half, we support 30 women with a livelihood, their livelihood supports 130 children and grandchildren in three villages. That's just one of the after effects. But the other part is that right now, Torn Pages is touching people's lives left and right. And now that I'm free, man, we've got, I mean, this is coming together. Like you said, you've got a beautiful site on your uh, on your podcast. It looks great. Man, I instilled the grassroots of what's going on. <laughs> um, but, you know, this started. That's why we're trying to spread the word here. It's been, it is. Yeah, spread, man. I thank you so much. But it's grassroots. Weird. Nobody hardly knows about torn pages at all. They might know about the the bracelets and the paper beads, some of them, but nobody has a clue what's going on with torn page. And so what's happening now? I'm a free man, and I've just stepped down. It's scary. I've just stepped down from my position owning my company. I I still own the company, but I've I've taken my hands off and I'm devoting my whole mission and this and the sharing torn pages with the world that's torn apart. Yeah. And there's so many people that got torn pages in their lives and I've never met anybody say, Hey man, could you use some hope, peace and strength in your life today? I've never met anybody that says no, man. Uh, and that's how we're touching people's lives. And the greatest, uh, it's just amazing. Uh, uh, I started knocking on doors. I started knocking on churches, thinking that this would be something they would just gravitate to. But everybody's knocking on church doors. Everybody's wanting their their attention, their support. And I'm trying to come in and share, listen, the church, I can help you reach your community because there's people hiding in, even in your pews and your congregation <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. going through life's torn pages, but they're not going to tell you. And they need to experience God's hope, peace, and strength that they might be awakened to his grace and love in a new way. And so that's what's happening today. And I, 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 you know, I was doing, I was, I was hustling little arts and craft shows and I was banging away, just uh, waiting for opportunities to share. And then finally I met up with my old pastor, Frank Cox. And uh, cause I was, I was getting turned away from even the churches. Yeah, we're interested, but not right now. And, uh, and but what's happened is uh, the Southern Baptist Conference Convention has has come on board, and they've I've had two personal encounters with one is the president of the association now, and one was the vice president of the national. But what they had, they had personal encounters that they've never seen anything that engages people's lives like opening up the door with torn pages. They've never seen anything like, and they're welcoming torn pages and they're helping me meet, get grounded. Uh, we're already a 501C, but as you can see, I'm still grassroots and we're trying to get grounded because they want to take this at a national level. And 
but the most exciting thing that I'm 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 excited about now, and I and guy, it came to me a couple a couple of months ago, is and here's the question I ask: How do we get the gift of godly principles back into our schools? How do we do that? How I'm going to mention again: How do we get the gift of godly principles back into our schools? Well, the question is. Just imagine these as high school colors that these kids would gravitate to. Yeah. So what we're doing now, we're we're looking. He's holding at, up the bracelet for those I'm holding up the podcast, bracelet. so you could actually put it in your high school colors, which high is really colors. cool. And right. I and honestly, I think I think the key here, right, is that it's the symbolism. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking to myself, you know, the challenge with you know churches a lot of times is you know, <clears throat> and really us as people is we don't always embrace our brokenness in order to change it man and, and the the there's so the the symbolism behind torn pages not just i just love the name because oh it, 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 it you know but but um the, the symbolism behind the bracelet and i i have a lot of things that i i mean i wear a bracelet every day um you know there's specific things i have on my ring so that i when i look on it i can reflect on, you know, certain things that I need to know I need to be, you know, as a man in my, in my life, um, and, and, um, you know, reflect on who the model is. I mean, goodness gracious, we're doing the true man podcast. The ultimate model is Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, so, but I, but I, not to steal your thunder, but I, I love the symbolism behind it. And I, I think these are things that we need to embrace sometimes it's something as subtle as just looking at a bracelet and going hold on now don't get angry yeah remember who's in charge here that's right well the, you know the the crazy thing about it is uh, mike if you go to my website we we haven't put on the um we've sort of put christ in the background because we want to be able to touch everybody's life with torn pages right and, and we have um even the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Josh, he um, he said, Jay, he said, I, I said, well, let me get you some, Josh. You can say the story. He says, he says, Jay, I don't, I don't want one with the cross on it. And I knew where he was going. I says, well, I said, what do you mean, Josh? And I, he says, well, when somebody sees the cross, they they can't help but already be prejudiced, right? Yeah. One way or another. He says, I just want the story of torn pages because everybody has torn pages. And everybody's looking for hope, peace, and strength. Not not everybody's looking for Jesus Christ. Do they need them in our specters? Yes. That's what we say. But what do you say to the people that know Jesus Christ, Mike, that love him and adore him, but all of a sudden their child has cancer and they're praying and begging God. And now they're angry at God, confused at God, just like I was as a little boy. And you're trying to tell them, well, all you need is Jesus. And they're, they are confused. That's what's so powerful about Torn Pages. And when he went to go share the story, he couldn't believe how it's so easy. People say, what do you, hey, do you know what's going on? People say, no, what? I said, what do you think of these? Oh, they're beautiful. What are they made out of? And they start guessing. They, they can't help but touch it. I say, touch it. And they, they, they <laughs> yeah. Paper. They yeah. say paper. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. But here's the story. Bam. Yeah. People where they're at. Because it's the, our lives and our world is torn apart right now, Mike. Yep. And yep. right now, we need the gift of hope, peace, and strength. And that's why even I'll encourage you, Mike. I, I want you to go on. Oh, he's putting me on the spot. Yeah, put you on the spot. 
is to wear one and share one and because now it, it has a way to open up the door to share your, yeah. your your torn pages with somebody else that's going through life's torn pages you you, never, you just never know you have no clue and it, it opens up the door and I, I i'll share one quick story i was i was uh besides all the videos that you'll see i was beat up it was last march Winter time, raining, sleeting. That's how I felt. The churches were denying me. They were turning my back. And I, and I was ready to quit. And I walk into a Publix, a grocery store. It's closing time. just about with the deli. I was getting something to eat. A lady named Christy. I saw her name tag. Hey, Christy, how you doing? You know, I said, you know what's going on? She said, no. I said, you seen these? Oh, they're beautiful. She tried to guess what they were. I says, I see it's, it's torn pages like our world and our life. Could you use some hope, peace, and strength, Christy? And she's on the other side of the deli. And she says, if you only knew. I've never met this woman ever in my life. Yeah. I said, well, read the back. There's a story for you, Christy. I could tell. She turned the back and she read the story, right? And I could see when she finished, everything changed. She didn't say a word, Mike. She walked around ran up to me and grabbed me in a hug. Yeah, yeah. And I hugged her back, and I said, okay, Christy, this is what's going on. She says, I don't know who you are. I said, yeah. And then the tears started coming, and I says, what happened, Christy? What's going on? She says, last Thanksgiving, you know, after the holidays, my husband had stomach issues, came back from the hospital, stage four liver cancer. She said, it didn't went even three weeks later. He passed before the new year. Mm. He says, my life's been torn apart, but you come along with this bracelet and the gift of hope, peace, and strength. Uh -huh. And I, I, I don't know what came over me. I just had to come around and give you a hug. Yeah. That's what happens with torn pages, but you can't do it if you're not wearing it and sharing it. And yeah. That's what I want to happen. And that's why we're so excited right now is to impact our schools because these, these kids, I want to touch these kids' lives before they go to prison, before they get the spiritual yep. warfare that's going up in their minds and they can't get out of it. I want to hit them in the chin with hope, peace, and strength, man, and touch their life. And I, I can't thank you enough, Mike, to let me share my story and impact our world one life at a time. Absolutely. So, Jay, let, we got to wrap this up. I know. Uh, but before we do, tell everybody, I'm going to put this up on the screen here. Uh, tell everybody how in the world can they get a hold of you and find torn pages? Listen, just go to tornpages.org. Uh, look us up. We're not, we don't come up first when you hit the Google thing and all that other stuff, but tornpages.org. We've got a website. You can make a donation and our donation. The more you give, we want to, we want to touch these kids. We want to reach about a hundred thousand kids. So if you make a donation, you make it a million. Making a million. Well, that's going to be our next year. We want, but we might make it this year. I don't know, Mike. That's our, that's our, that's our goal for the next year is a million. But this year, realistically, we're just getting started. We want to reach a hundred thousand kids. So if you make a donation for like a hundred dollars, right, you'll reach ten kids. If you make a donation of a thousand dollars, we'll reach these. You'll reach a hundred kids. A hundred kids will receive a bracelet like this to impact their life. Yeah. For a thousand dollars, and then what we want to do, what what we'll do is this is what's so neat about, and we're crossing barriers. We have to, re, 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 but for every donation that you give, 
we give back to you a gift of torn pages because our vision is to share for you to share this gift of hope, peace, and strength. And so when you make a donation for like a thousand dollars, we'll give you a hundred bracelets to share. Yeah. And so what happens, our, 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 our goal and our vision right now is how do we impact the gift of godly principles back into our schools? And so what happens when you make a donation, we want to take half of your donation and, and fund it into our schools, touch a kid's life. The other we're going to give to you as gifts, and you can touch that. But go to tornpages.org. And it, it it's so and it's pretty cool. When I was trying to here, I'll leave this. It's pretty corn. It's I couldn't write it up, but I was trying to sell my company at one time, and the guy out of the blue says, Well, Jay, Torn Pages has the best money back guarantee ever. I'm like, dude, dude, what are you talking about? I'm not trying to give no money back. I said, But you got me. What is it? What's the what's Torn Pages money back guarantee? He says, Jay. Torn Pages guarantees if you don't know one person that needs a gift of hope, peace, and strength, we'll let you keep the bracelet and refund your money double of what you invested in. <laughs> and I started laughing, too, because there's no way, man, if we take time that we don't know somebody that needs a gift of hope, peace, and strength. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be giving a lot of money back. Jay, no, I can't uh, thank you enough for coming on. I'm so glad that we man, could uh, could too, spread man. the word here about uh, thank you so uh, much. Torn Pages, as I like to do on the podcast. Uh, I think we set a new True Man podcast record in terms of uh, length of podcast, but that's okay. That's okay. Because I'm it was such a fantastic that. conversation. Man. That, that uh, So, Jay, thanks for coming on. And everybody, go out to, to Jay's website at tornpages.org uh, and uh, ch check this out. I think it's a worthwhile cause. So Jay, thanks for coming on. Man, thank you, Mike. And I look forward to following with you. And again, man, thanks people out there. And if you know somebody that needs a gift of hope, peace and strength, I'm trying to tell you if, if you're watching the video or watching this online, <laughs> this is a great gift to share with somebody. It can touch your life and change your life. And thanks there you go. That's what it's all about. That's so what thanks all for about. being on Jay. Thanks a lot. Peace out. Thanks. You know, the thing that I can't help but like about Jay is the goodness that just oozes out of him as he talks about his organization, Torn Pages, and, and the things he's gone through in his life. You know, as he mentioned during the interview, some of us live in the prison of life. Well, we may not be in an actual prison, we've put ourselves in a virtual one. Well, what does that mean exactly? You know, wearing a mask... We may not be the person people see when we're out and about. We're just not keeping it real. We're hiding things inside. We're buried things deep down in our soul. We may be traumatized by something that happened in our life, or we may not want to touch that place because it hurts so much. You know, in Jay's case, running from the demons of alcohol and drugs was a big ask for much of his life. And as he said, it wasn't until he put himself around good people that he was able to make some of the biggest leaps in life. Now, if you're running into some of the same challenges in life in terms of looking for someone to come walk alongside you, or you just can't, you know, figure out uh, your purpose, your clarity that's going on in your life, and you need someone to come walk alongside you to help you with those two torn pages, reach out to me at Mike at truemanlifecoaching.com. And let's have a free initial call today. Don't let your torn pages be a deterrent to living the life you want to live. Make it an asset.
Now, I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Jay Gardner. If you did, please leave us a great review on your favorite podcast channel. With that, I want you to go out and make this your best day ever. We'll talk to you on the next True Man Podcast. Improve your life today with Mike Van Pelt and True Man Life Coaching. Let's develop a roadmap of discovery that leads to success and satisfaction in your life. For additional information and details on how to schedule an initial coaching call, go to truemanlifecoaching.com.